All right, welcome to the show on this Thursday, July 6th, 2017. I am broadcasting today from inside of a wrestling ring. I am down at Bell Time Club Training Center. That's right, the Bell Time Club Training Center in Wakefield, Massachusetts. And I am currently sitting in the middle of the ring, the middle of the wrestling ring, with the one and only Justin Barrasso from Sports Illustrated. You can read him on SI.com. Justin covers pro wrestling for Sports Illustrated. Justin, thanks for joining me today. Nice to be in the middle of the ring with you. I know. This is Ready to a lock pretty up. unique setting. Absolutely. A much different setting from the last time you joined me. That was pre-WrestleMania. So much has happened since, too, locally and nationally, wrestling-wise. Actually, worldwide with, with you know stuff out of Japan, too. Yeah. So I can't wait to get into it with you. And I just got to give a little plug here, too, because this is the home of UFO wrestling. Uh, special thanks to Pat Dillon for letting us come down and record in his training facility today. Uh, they have a big event coming up. It's called Big Bang, Wednesday, August 23rd. It is at the Malden Irish American Club, which is on 177 West Street in Malden. Again, the Malden Irish American Club, Wednesday, August 23rd. Bell time, 7 o'clock. Tickets are $12. You can go on Facebook and search UFO Wrestling to get more details as to what the card's going to be, what you're going to see. But make sure you come on down to the Malden Irish American Club on Wednesday, August 23rd. It's a great event called Big Bang. Tickets are $12, and again, bell time at 7 o'clock. Before we get in to some pro wrestling stuff, and in fact, I do have to open with a thought on Gordon Haywood signing with the Boston Celtics and Paul George being traded, not to the Celtics, but to the Oklahoma City Thunder. First, though, i got to give a couple reads to my sponsors. Uh, today's show presented by Beantown Athletics. Go to BeantownAthletics.com right now to get a free quote for your customized apparel. Beantown Athletics is your number one source for screen printing and embroidery. Again, BeantownAthletics.com. Get a free quote for your customized apparel right now. Today's show also presented by DraftKings. Go to DraftKings.com right now or download their app and play for free by using my promo code PIC. That's P-I-C. At DraftKings, every day is a brand new season especially during the Major League Baseball season. And it's easy. Just fill out your lineup and then follow the action live. And they have a brand new baseball feature on DraftKings. It's called Arcade Mode. Justin, this is easy. Five hitters and one pitcher. That's all you do. You pick five hitters and one pitcher. It takes you 30 seconds to fill out a lineup. And you can put together a different lineup every day for a chance to win every single night. And again, you can play for free with my promo code PICK. That's P. I see. So download the DraftKings app right now or go to DraftKings.com. All right. So let's get right to it. I have some thoughts about Gordon Haywood coming to the Celtics, but a lot of people are still caught up. If you turn on the radio yesterday, today, they're still caught up in the Paul George trade to Oklahoma City, or should I say the failed Paul George trade to the Celtics. But I think they're overanalyzing it. And I, I think they're overanalyzing it because it, it's simple. The Celtics, here, and this is, this is just my opinion. I don't have any sources on this. But I feel like I'm using common sense. Paul George, who has one year left on his contract next season. All right? Reports came out not too long ago that he was going to leave, opt out, and go to L.A. Whether it's the Lakers, the Clippers, he's going home, he's going to L.A., he actually told the Pacers that. 
And that's why the Pacers are currently shopping him. Well, not only do you find out through reports that he's going to L.A., if you're the Celtics, you tamper. Tampering is a real thing in professional sports, and I, in fact, would think that the Celtics wouldn't be doing their job if they didn't tamper and try to communicate with Paul George this offseason. If they touch base with him, unless there's some crazy rule that changed, if a guy's under contract with another team, Danny Ainge cannot touch base with Paul George. But I just think it's common sense to try. And in the world that I live in, which is the real world, tampering is a real thing. Whether we want to... uh, agree or admit to that or not, I'm telling you right now, it happens. There's a train going by outside of the training facility. You might call it tampering too, but I'm sure maybe it's not Ainge directly, but I'm sure they have ways to find out if a guy wants to come to Boston. Sure, but that's what I'm saying. And again, apologize for the train coming by there pretty loud if you could hear Rustic feel here. Yeah, but they my my take on it is simple. The Celtics tampered. They talked to Paul George. They found out firsthand that he was not going to sign an extension with the Celtics. And once they found that out, they were not going to give up anything crazy. We keep hearing the report that the Celtics offered this, that, and the other thing at the trade deadline last year, this past season. That's different. You're getting him for last postseason and this full season and another postseason. You have two chances to win a championship with Paul George. You cut down, cut that down to just one, your trade offer, especially when you find out he's not going to sign an extension, it changes. So... You're not going to offer the same package to the Pacers for Paul George right now. And you see the deal that, that he went to Oklahoma City on, and people are like, oh, the Celtics could have beat that. Yeah, you're right. They could have, but they didn't want to. Why? Because he wasn't going to sign an extension with the Celtics. If Paul George would have signed an extension with the Celtics, I would have said, do everything you can to get him. He's an elite player in this league. Go get him. But I honestly think that they must have tampered. They must have talked to Paul George, found out he wasn't signing an extension, and they moved on to what a lot of people believe was their plan A anyways, Gordon Haywood. And here we are now, Gordon Haywood, a member of the Celtics. He signs with the Celtics. It just seemed to be the obvious move. I would have preferred Blake Griffin, but L.A., the Clippers did not let him leave. They signed him to that max contract. The obvious move here is Gordon Haywood to the Celtics the Brad Stevens connection, I think the biggest surprise would have been if they didn't sign Gordon Haywood. I would I would actually, all I see when I see him, uh, I see Amari Stoudemire, I see Antonio McDice post, you know, that athleticism. I think Blake Griffin's, once you lose that athleticism, like a guy who's built like that, I'd much rather have Gordon Haywood. Griffin scares me. Uh, George, I think Indiana would have rather sent him wet, dealt him west anyways, because why would you send him to Boston when you can send him to Oklahoma City? If, like you said, the deals are similar, which I'm sure they were, right? Roughly. I mean, it's not like Boston was offering four four starters. and I don't know. I, I, I honestly, I see that deal, and I get a sense that the Pacers screwed up at the trade deadline by not accepting the Celtics' offer. But if you're the Pacers, you probably look at it at last year's trade deadline and go, all right, one, we're in the playoffs. Two, oh, we're going to the playoffs. Two, we want to talk to him this offseason to get a better sense. Because if he, if there's a chance that we could re-sign him, we're not going to trade him. Plus, it's a different, it was Larry Bird before the deadline. It was Kevin Pritchard after, you know, Bird stepped down. And yeah. it's Pritchard too. So, you know, change in leadership too. But I'm, I'm excited right now. The most exciting thing for me is I, I'm excited to move Al Horford back a spot. Like, he's not a number two guy. He's a great number three. All of a sudden, he's your third option. I love Al Horford as my number three. Well, I, you know, I like Al Horford. I, I think he showed in the playoffs that 
you know, he can show up in the postseason. The question now is the obvious question in the NBA. You got two teams that you're trying to beat. And if you're in the East, you got to beat the Cavaliers first. And if you can somehow do that, you got to beat Golden State. The Celtics obviously improved, but I do think that their biggest improvements are going to come in the form of Jalen Brown. And now you see Jason Tatum sort of tearing up the Summer League. I'm not going to overreact to the Summer League. It's just, A bigger story there would be if Jason Tatum showed up at the Summer League and, and sucked. He should have success in the Summer League. That's the way I look at it. So um, I'm not going to overreact to that, but we got more time to talk about the Celtics. I just needed to, Jessen, I needed to get that off my chest because I was not here Monday. We had the holiday on Tuesday. Uh, this is my first podcast of the week. And again, we are sitting here in the middle of a wrestling ring in Wakefield, the Bell Time Club Training Center, home of UFO Wrestling. And you're a pro wrestling insider for Sports Illustrated. Before we go into pro wrestling, yeah. I mentioned one, yeah, one, one, NBA, more thing. one more NBA thing. Because people are just itching to get the pro wrestling it'll run I know a, they are. It'll run in August. And for me, it's like the golden era of the NBA because I was too young to appreciate the Bird era, a little too young to appreciate Jordan. Who really wanted to enjoy Shaq and Kobe together? We've got a really fun story with Doc Rivers breaking down the Game 7 loss in 2010. And that's a piece that we put together recently, and that'll run in August. And Doc goes into that third quarter of Game 7 in L.A. And really, when the game was lost, how the game was lost, what he could have done differently. Did he wish he played Tony Allen more in that game? He didn't. But like to me, that was just a fun piece to put together. It was a fun interview to conduct. In about a quarter way of that interview, Doc said, are we really discussing this? But three more questions later, he was just so into it. Because, I mean, if you were living, with the, living and dying with the Celtics, which you and I were at that point, I mean, how could you know? 2010 still is still a sore subject. And that's coming in August, in August on SI.com. Yes. All right, we'll keep an eye out for it. Um, can't wait to read that. And uh, also can't wait to read your next wrestling piece. But... Since the last time we talked about pro wrestling, we were what? Previewing WrestleMania. We are at my studio in Beantown Athletics. And um, I kind of feel like, and, and maybe I'm just speaking for me, you know, I'm a casual fan. I, I'm not a season ticket holder. That's what I call people who watch every event all the time. But there is a lot going on. Let me ask you this. What's the biggest storyline currently in, in wrestling in general? It, it, because I have a couple options that I'll throw you away, things that, that I've witnessed as a casual fan. One would be the return of John Cena. Uh, they, the WWE, they're getting set for SummerSlam coming up next month. They have a pay-per-view this Sunday, Great Balls of Fire. And there's Battleground the 23rd. Battleground on the 23rd. And then we go in August to SummerSlam. SummerSlam. Yeah. So they're basically setting up for SummerSlam as we speak. Pretty much. Pretty much. So it's you the got next that, big show. You got that going on. I just watched the G1 USA, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Spectacular. Uh, they had two nights of that. You talk about Cody Rhodes, what, what they've done with him since he left the WWE. That's a huge storyline where, where New Japan Pro comes to the U.S. and does an event. They have the, the new one, IWGP United, United States. States Championship. Kenny Omega gets that IWGP U.S. Who just got the seal of approval from Steve Austin. Austin said it, if WWE wanted to make the next major megastar, it's Kenny Omega. I believe it. Kenny can talk. He can work. He can do everything. He has the look. He's charismatic. And it looks like... So wait, but, but, but is that... So is that the biggest story? What's the biggest story right now? I think the biggest story right now is the return of John Cena, like you said. It it's is. Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman because they continue WWE to push... Reigns on us. I think Reigns wins the belt at SummerSlam. I think it's a build for Reigns. It was supposed to be Mania next year, but I don't think they wait that long, and then they go at SummerSlam because Brock's never around. Uh, but Omega 2, it's just, 
WWE people always want to say, and New Japan's great, but the people always want to say, oh, you know, they're 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 kind of reaching into North America, and they are. But it's just so hard to do. Here comes the train. It's so hard to do with WWE. They're such a con- conglomerate. It's really hard to compete. Even the show, they had Jim Ross on the broadcast this past weekend in part two airs Friday night. It's another four-hour show. Mm. WWE is so good at the little things. The pyro, the presentation, the production. Like Their stuff, to me, is just so above and beyond everyone else. Though I suppose that added to the realism for New Japan, which they wanted to capture. I don't yeah. know. There are parts of the show I liked, parts of the show I loved, and parts of the show that I thought presentation-wise just didn't match up with WWE. No, they. I mean, they're not selling out monster arenas, right? right. I mean, they they have they were in a convention center, a, in a Long room Beach, in a convention California, center. Right. I mean, they had a nice crowd, and I watched it. What was it? What channel was it on? A- Access TV. Access TV. I didn't even know that fucking channel existed until I was searching to see what was going oh, on. You're not a season ticket holder. No, I'm not a season ticket holder. But the the biggest story to me, and I'm a casual fan, is not it's it's not Cena's return. It's not what they're doing with with Reigns. It's it actually is what I'm seeing with New Japan Pro, and I'm seeing even with Ring of Honor with someone like Cody Rhodes who's coming from the WWE, and as a casual fan, I am, I'm looking at the Cody Rhodes situation, and I admire the road that he's taken to get success, like, to, to get to the level that he's on right now, where he steps into the ring, he's the top dog, he's part of a major faction in the Bullet Club, and some say he's even the leader of that, but I mean, when he was in WWE, he was sort of a laughable character. At least they were using him as such. As Stardust, which is interesting, too. We just had an interesting conversation. Cody and I have developed something of a rapport over the last year. Mm. It's just been easier to connect with him at different shows. But he was actually, as a kid, the Stardust kid. So I just thought that was interesting that he was Stardust in WWE. Now, he didn't wear the face paint, but when he was born, that was his nickname. His parents called him the Stardust Kid. He and his father were very, very close. And not that Dusty Rhodes wasn't close with his other children, but I think with Dustin, who plays, who still plays Goldust and does a great job, they, their, their story's kind of public. They just, it was, it was, he was the oldest. I think that they were both learning. Dusty was maybe learning how to be a father, but he got it right with, with, he got it right with Cody. Uh, I will answer your question. I want to come back to Rhodes. The major story to me in pro wrestling right now it's always, like, you, you can look at it straight on, but what is it underneath? What's the story underneath everything, right? What's the different angle? Mm. And to me, the major story is because of New Japan's success, because of Ring of Honor with Cody Rhodes, how does WWE respond? It's like a baseball hitter, right? Like, I'm just curious, can Aaron Judge react in the second half of the season when pitchers figure out what his sweet spot is? How does he react? How does WWE react to New Japan? And they've already done it somewhat subtly. With Jim Ross, he signed a contract right before WrestleMania. I don't... Now, New Japan's going to come back to the United States in 2018. I don't believe Ross will be a part of that show anymore. So you lose a major voice. Really? But that's okay, Danny, because you have Mauro Ranallo, who was part of this huge bullying scandal in WWE. He was leaving. He's on his way out, set to go back to New Japan, Access Television, where he came from before. But very subtly, Paul Levesque, Triple H runs, uh, they re-signed Morrow. So Morrow's now with the NXT brand. And not going to New Japan. Evidently, there's no bullying issues whatsoever, right? Like, they did a really nice job with that PR. So to me, it's how does the WWE respond to other people's success? I love watching how they react. And they are very, I mean, when you're the big dog, it's, it's their yard, right? They always joke about Roman Reigns' yard. It's, wrestling is their yard. And they are very provincial, so to speak, about who works where. So it's interesting that who's going to call that show when they when they wrestle in 2018? No JR, no Morrow. So you've lost the two biggest voices. Even Steve Carino, who I think is fantastic on color commentary, he's an NXT coach. It's interesting that, or performance center coach, it's interesting how they've kind of 
plucked some central figures off television, off WWE programming that you don't see anymore. But like Jim Ross is a huge loss. If he leaves Access Television, there's nobody like Jim Ross in pro wrestling. Sure. I'll throw my hat into that ring, though. If they're, if they're hiring <laughs> they a play-by-play a guy, let's go. Let's get it done. I am no Jim Ross, though. That is for sure. But do you feel like... So I get a sense maybe the, the WWE obviously knows what New Japan Pro is trying to do, and that's they're trying to, you know, get their foot in the door here in the in the U.S. Do they, I guess, do they fear that at all? I, I mean, do they feel threatened by that move from New Japan Pro well, it's in the U.S.? I sat down with their chairman, New Japan's chairman, uh, Mr. Uh, his name is Naoki Shigabayashi. And he was very, through translation, but he was very careful with every question I asked. Mm-hmm. And I kind of went a certain direction with the interview because if you're, gonna pr- if you're going to present pro wrestling in the United States, you're competing against WWE. To me, there's no, sure. that's, that's pretty cut and dry. His point was, there's room enough for two. Which is interesting because you're still, call it what you want, you're competing with WWE. I think they're smart not to say we're a direct competitor because that's usually a kiss of death. Mm-hmm. But it's, Good point. what comes next though? I mean, you're going to have to want to expand in North America. I think the concern for, for New Japan, and I asked this too, they said it's not a concern. If you come to the United States, like this past week on Raw and SmackDown, Kazuchika Okada, the IWGP heavyweight champion, was at Raw. He was at SmackDown. I would be petrified if I was New Japan. I wouldn't want that guy anywhere near his friends. I wouldn't want him talking to guys in the United States. I'd want him somewhere at a show in Tokyo being my guy in New Japan. I I think it's more of a concern. I think WWE turns this into a positive because everyone they see that they want on New Japan, everyone that wants to wrestle in America... Well, they're going to end up in WWE anyways. So I think it's going to be interesting how they they don't get along WWE New Japan. And, and for people who maybe haven't paid attention to New Japan, but they do watch WWE, who were a couple guys recently? AJ Styles, obviously. Styles he was wasn't there too long, but he's in the a, Bullet Club. Yes, um, Finn Balor. Finn Balor, yep. Shin, the one that hurt the most These was Shinsuke, Nak- Sh- Shinsuke, Shinsuke Nakamura. Nakamura. And that was the one they've, they've kind of taken it back, New Japan, a bit. But people in that company have said that they were openly bitter not toward him, but toward WWE for even approaching him, which is an interesting way of pers- looking at that. But mm-hmm. why, if you're WWE, why wouldn't you go after the guy's talented? The guy might be a major star in the United States or in the world through your brand. Why not go after Nakamura? So it's going to be interesting too. And I think the question to ask too is, will they ever, and they should, will they ever be able to bring in, like Cody Rhodes, for instance, is a good example. Can they bring in North American talent to Japan and make it work there? Cody Rhodes and that's a lot on Cody. Cody's been very successful. He gambled on himself and made it work. But New Japan should be actively seeking and pursuing. Now, they've got a pretty full roster, but they should be pursuing guys who didn't make it in WWE for whatever reason. Some guys say politics. Some guys, it just... When you say didn't make it, do you mean are still in WWE, but they're just not being used properly? Because that's... I, I get a sense that they should do that too. Like, they should look for somebody... Like when Cody Rhodes was in WWE, right. go to them and say, hey, listen, you could be a star with us. Look at what happened to Cody Rhodes. This is a perfect example. Why would you be sticking around here and being used with a terrible character when you can have a more normal character with us and you can be kind of a badass with Plus, us? Plus, still be on television. Have much more freedom with your character. Cody Rhodes is slipping off the fans. He would not be doing that in WWE, That's right? That's great, by the way. Though it's interesting that and I love WWE. Like, I watch every week. I am a season ticket holder. I enjoy covering them. I, I believe objectively and honestly. 
yet sometimes it just boggles my mind. Like they they pride themselves on being a PG company, and that's fine. That's who you, you got to be. Who, to be successful in this world, whatever you do, you got to be who you are, mm-hmm. right? If you used a different accent, it wouldn't work. Like you're yourself on the air, and that bleeds through. That's perfect. Yeah. So when you're making R-rated insinuations on SmackDown during a rap battle, I mean, to me, now did it pop the crowd? Sure. But that's such a short-sighted pop. So the Usos made reference to the Page sex video, and there's a lot at stake. They did. That, and that that line, I was wow. told by numerous WWE officials, uh, numerous people that I'm close with in the company, that it was approved. And they said it twice in the rap battle. It just is insane to me that you're gonna, if you're a PG company, then be a PG company. If you want to go back to the Attitude Era, go back to the Attitude Era. But you can't skate the line. Figure mm-hmm. out who you are. And that's my problem with WWE. I think they want to be all things to all people, which I suppose is their right as the top dog. But it is a difficult, it's tough to be, you can't be everything. And that's a f- recipe for su- failure. Yeah, and so again, Cody Rhodes is, I think, such a unique story. And I'm fascinated by the story. because, And I have the story right. He wasn't being used correctly. He's been around for a long time. And he basically asked to be released, right? Asked to release. Wrote that, he wrote a, wrote a post on social media about how why he was frustrated I know released some, from the WWE. Right. They re, they did release him. He can't use the last name Rhodes, at least on television. He's just Cody. Right, which is interesting. His wife, who was a ring announcer in WWE, she is Brandy Rhodes, her character name. Mm-hmm. So, like, when Cody comes to the ring, I thought they would have done this on Friday night. They didn't. But she walked out with him. She was in the uh, red, white, and blue dress. Yeah. They can say Cody. He kept going to kiss her in the front row. Right. They can say Cody and Brandy Rhodes. So, it's a way around it. You can be Cody and Brandy Rhodes. Sure. Because you can use her last name. Cody took after the Young Bucks. And they wrestled, WWE, they had an interesting tryout with them. Supposedly, they put their hands on Booker T's jacket. I don't think WWE ever wanted them. So the Young Bucks, who kind of didn't do that well, they kind of fizzled out in Impact Wrestling, despite Kevin Nash going to bat for them, despite some big names going to bat for Mm -hmm. them. The Young Bucks just didn't get anywhere, and they gambled on themselves, and they made a big, big name for themselves in Japan, in Ring of Honor, and they are... Far and beyond the best tag team in wrestling right now. Every match they have, they were they'll be on Friday Night Show. They're also in the Bullet Club. They're I think they're extremely entertaining. It's hard to they're kind of a new age rockers. I, they are just they had a match in Lowell last September. It was Ladder Wars. It's one of the greatest matches I've ever seen live. They're smart. They're young. They are talented. If they want to be, they'll be in WWE in two years. I think Rhodes watched them, but what Cody Rhodes did was. And he's smart. Rhodes will always say that I wouldn't be where I am in the WWE, but I wouldn't be where I am now without being in WWE. Sure. Because his name is so valuable. He has that name recognition, not only because he's a Rhodes, but also because he was in WWE and has had that national exposure. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the Young Bucks, um, which brings us back to, I guess, Kenny Omega and Bullet Club. And that's that's a pretty cool group they have going. I mean, they seem to have stolen a lot from the NWO but you said Kevin Nash had the Young Bucks back. They seem okay with it. It's okay with me. I mean, I watch Kenny Omega, and I think to myself, this guy should be a star in the WWE. Why is he the next guy to make the big jump, or is am I missing something? Am I because I watch him and go, he keeps me coming back. The, I want to go buy a Bullet Club T-shirt because of Kenny Omega. They made I, I think the Bullet, Bullet Club started as a basically an NWO tribute band. But now, no tribute band makes their own hits, right? So that's what makes these guys so unique. You've got the Bucks. You've got Omega. AJ Styles was so good in that role. Omega, I know they made a play for him before the Rumble last year, but his contract ended 
right before, I think it was the 25th of January. The Rumble was at the end of January. He had a show, man, in Spain or somewhere out of the country. It just didn't make sense. He re-signed with New Japan. It's interesting, though, that he didn't, the plan originally was he'd lose in January, which he did. He'd win the belt in June. He had the 60-minute draw in June. Now he's United States champion. Mm -hmm. I would think that they got, they realized after the AJ Styles incident, you know, they put the belt on Styles twice. He left. They're going to be careful who they make champion. Okada's almost close to breaking the uh, consecutive days held record for the IWGP heavyweight title, too. But I think the big thing there is if we don't see Omega win the belt, he will not, in my opinion, headline next year's Wrestle Kingdom, their, their WrestleMania on January 4th, 2018. So if he's not champion by September, October, I think we can read the writing on the wall and he'll be in WWE. I just find that the crazy thing about Omega is John Cena instagram a picture of yeah. kenny from south park people just don't do it's just not an accident right mm-hmm. and john cena is the smartest man in pro wrestling especially when you're on top for that long omega will be in wwe but uh, he will absolutely I, I, I don't know i mean i look at him and i read quotes from him and i see videos and it seems like he's having a great time and if they are trying to get their foot in the door in the u.s and maybe does he look at the wwe and see the guys that have made that leap that aren't being used properly. I mean, I tweeted this out maybe a month ago, maybe more recently, but, and I even think I told you, I said it to you, they should have Finn Balor and AJ Styles headline in WrestleMania. Like, that's just the way I feel. But If it were a pro wrestling card. But but they're not. Does Omega see that and say, hey, I'm the best here. We're trying to get into the U.S., Cody Rhodes just made a statement by leaving there, coming here, and we got something pretty entertaining. You know, can they be the people that sort of take the company on their back and say, we're not, not only are we not leaving, but we're going to make it to the U.S. and compete with the WWE. I mean, is because if there is somebody to do it, it seems that he would be the guy, Kenny Omega. Kenny's an interesting, uh, interesting person. He grew up in Winnipeg. He was a goaltender, actually. I think it's always exciting when you find guys who are pro a- or athletes, right? Because you, you have that competitive spirit. So I think that Omega, he's mentioned to me for sure, this isn't breaking news, that he watches how AJ Styles is used. Yeah. And AJ, maybe he didn't headline Mania, but they put him definitely in, in great spots, right? He worked with Shane McMahon this year. But that's still a pretty good spot to work with Shane. I know it wasn't ideal necessarily. It wasn't a main event against John Cena. But AJ's proven he needs to be at the top of the card they've put him there i think omega is such a competitor that he thinks if he goes he'll be better than aj he'll be better than cena he'll be better than roman reigns i know that he wants to or he wanted to go in with the bucks because if they came in together they'd be a lot stronger Mm -hmm. the bucks resigned for two years this past december so i don't know how feasible that is but maybe kenny comes in on his own for a year and you bring in the bucks after i do think kenny and the bucks all end up in wwe they just love the business too much and they're too much of competitors not to want to give it a shot and i think they'd be successful i think politics are funny in wrestling uh this past sunday there was that slammiversary show with impact wrestling which is now global force and alberto del rio is alberto patron now talked about how politics in wwe won't allow for a great match there's definitely some sour grapes there. AJ Styles has great matches, right? I think Braun Strowman sure. does interesting stuff. I mean, I think that a lot of it is the persona, the person involved too. Okay, so I but I created quite a stir on Twitter when I said they should be using AJ Styles. He should be the face of WWE. People kept tweeting me, they're like, he is just because he doesn't have a belt doesn't mean he's not the face. You know what though? I want them to get back to that. We had this conversation before. You go back to 
uh, what was it? Maybe WrestleMania. And the last match wasn't even a, like they had the championship match, the WWE championship, like the fourth last match, right? And what other, like in a UFC or an MMA show, wouldn't matter. The the heavyweight title would would close the show. Yeah. Or, or a major title would, would end a UFC show. or Absolutely. And at Mania, you've got now, that was unique circumstances with The Undertaker. But it's a show, right? And that's the unique thing and the beautiful thing about pro wrestling and its storytelling. But it is interesting that I don't think they want a main event of AJ Styles versus Finn Balor. Why? Uh, they want Bill Goldberg but, and Brock Lesnar. They want right, to be on I'm, ESPN. I'm, I'm, Justin, I'm the, if they're listening, and I know you have connections in pro wrestling, you cover them, you talk to them, I'm a casual fan. I'm not a season ticket holder. I'm not, I don't need to be on the couch Monday, Tuesday night to watch. Um, I maybe get caught up on some things on YouTube. I'm not watching every pay-per-view. I, the WWE Network, maybe I tune in a couple times a month. I'm a casual fan. I'm as casual as it can get. And yet I'm sitting here telling you that when I do watch some of these guys in New Japan, like Kenny Omega, or when I saw AJ Styles or Finn Balor, and, and I see them in the WWE, I say to myself, they should be headlining. The belt should be running through these guys. And if I'm the casual fan saying that, doesn't that matter? I mean, I, you know, and I'm not saying everything right. should should revolve around my opinions, but don't the diehard fans feel that way? If the casual fan feels that way, the diehard fans must feel that way too. There must be more casual fans who remember Lawrence Taylor at WrestleMania 11, which is we're going to go on 23 years, and that closed out the show. Shawn Michaels and Kevin Nash had an earlier title match. They closed the show with Lawrence Taylor in the late Bam Bam Bigelow. I know that, I mean, and I get it, right? You want to attract, you want to get on ESPN. You want to have as much mainstream exposure as possible because the season ticket holders as you call them they're coming no matter what right that's why wrestling i almost it's good point it's it's a tough in my opinion lot to be a wrestling fan that's why i love to write too and i think why my stuff's done well i think being a wrestling fan writing for the wrestling fan the wrestling fan's the most over not overrated uh overlooked fan because a you almost have to like fight to say i like this stuff even though it's a lot more a lot more uh open now people can like pro wrestling but also danny once they've got you in pro wrestling it's it's almost like the tobacco industry they've got you and if you look around at a wrestling show who's gonna buy they want the new people like they want new people to buy and kids to buy t-shirts and wrestling figures and when you go to a show what are the adults buying they're buying beer right that's not the that's not the, the fan they want they want to go younger they want uh, expendable incomes, so I, I think that they're always looking for, they want the wrestling, the nucleus, the foundation, and I think WWE's okay with that. If you want to watch it, unique wrestling matches, you can turn on New Japan, but when you want to come to the big time, and it really is a spectacle and a show, I don't see that ever changing. Uh, now, I don't mean to make this a show about New Japan Pro, but since we're fresh off of the G1 USA, and I told you that I've become a huge Bullet Club fan, I look at the entire industry, WWE, New Japan, Ring of Honor, whatever else there is, and I just think that Omega, he's honestly, he's the most talented guy that I've seen in a long time. Everything. He's the most talented guy that I've seen in a long time. And so, if we're going to sit here and say that New Japan Pro is going to come to the U.S., if I had advice for him, I'd say, stay where you are for now. And see where that goes. Because if the casual fan is noticing something like this, is noticing Bullet Club, then chances are you've, you've been doing the right thing. 
So keep doing the right thing. And I guess that then brings me to Cody Rhodes. And I guess my next question, just a generic question, would be, do you expect him with the success that he's now having as a star, should we call him that? Do you expect him to use this to try to catapult himself back to the WWE at some point? That's the end game. Is it? Absolutely. See, that's where I'm like, why? Why, because of money? Is that it? There's only one major league. Plus, I think it's... And we're surrounded right now by a few pro wrestlers and, and their bodies, I'm sure, could feel this a lot more than I could express it. But in fact, the way the pro wrestling, just the way you have to work and the, the, the pain your body has to go through. I know it's a work, right? It's pre But these guys work in the ring. It's painful. Sure. The Japanese schedule, too. It's a really painful schedule. The way they worked their G1 climax in the summer and Omega won that last year, the first ever North American to win. Mm. It's a really painful schedule. Uh, it's wrestling all the time, and they wrestle a very physical style, they a very do. demanding style that doesn't make That's sense. That's what I love about it. I think the next guy, though, the next major star to leave WWE, it'll be really interesting when he leaves. He keeps talking about it. The interview we did a month ago, Daniel Bryan Daniel talked Bryan. about he, he, he's still working on coming back. And he'll, he'll go to New Japan? He'll never wrestle in a WWE ring. And I, I don't blame them. It's not worth it, right? I mean, they're better off overpaying him to talk. As a, He's very good as an analyst, but it would be... An, outrageous for them in a world full of concussion liabilities Mm -hmm. for a guy with concussion issues like you can't blame WWE for saying it's best that we don't have Daniel Bryan wrestle for us again however he wants to wrestle he will wrestle he would he would headline if if they really wanted to go national New Japan if they really wanted to make an impact in the United States you headline Wrestle Kingdom at some point with Daniel Bryan and CM Punk that's the play. <laughs> or you break those guys up, Vince McMahon style. You have a double main event or something. But like those two guys are out, those either they're out there now. Punk will eventually finish with UF, uh, MMA. And he's still, Punk is, in, to me, still he's the most. He's going to return. But he's going he's gonna to go to the WWE again. I, see, I, you don't think so? I, I believe him. Maybe I'm naive. I believe that Punk will never go back. He said he never will. I don't know. I don't think he does for years, though. I just think it's too raw. To me, the wedding, they fired him on his wedding day. They, they FedExed him on the wedding day. I think he got to the point where it was really personal. Plus, the unique thing with Punk, he doesn't need it. He's got money. I don't know, Hogan, plus it's a different generation. You knew Hogan was always going to come back, somehow, some way. Bret Hart, I didn't think so. He came back. I don't know. Everybody else already has. Punk, they all come back. They all Justin. come back. They all come back. I think Punk would love to be the guy in his legacy that never came back. Yeah, I well if he all right if he goes to New Japan, then that how like when would that happen? We did a piece together, Punk and I. It's actually one of the most fun stories I did. I flew to I flew in. It was a one one day story in Milwaukee as he was training for the fight last about a year ago. Mm-hmm. But I went in September, I went in the end of August, and uh, really because I'd been chasing Punk for a while to get him in a story, and I was so thrilled to finally connect with him. And I kind of stumbled into it. I said, do you mind if I ask you a couple of pro wrestling questions? And yeah. he said, I kind of figured you would. And uh, I said, would, would you ever go back to Wrestle Kingdom? Would you ever, would you ever, or would you ever want to go to New Japan and, and headline the show there? And he said, of course. But right now I'm just focused on mixed martial arts. I think Punk eventually has to go back. I don't think he does the WWE. I think Brian has talked about Mexico, CMLL. He's talked about New Japan. I think he does both those things. I don't think WWE, I don't know. I don't know how long he lasts either. How long can, can his body maintain that pace? Maybe it's best for him that he's been off for a couple of years. Maybe he'll come back fresh. Maybe. So maybe we'll see. That would be great, though, if him and Daniel Bryan were in New Japan. I've been talking a lot. I've been pumping up New Japan Pro a lot on this show uh, because of the, for good the reason. recent event. All right, but I'm not, I'm not exaggerating it, though, right? I mean, the product that I see there when it comes to 
the big name players, the guys in the Bullet Club, and you talk about the potential names that could go there, the fact that they're coming to the U.S. Like, I'm not exaggerating how good of a product that is, right? No, it's very good. When I sat with their chairman, the one question I had, though, and this to me is the, the bread and butter question, what comes next? Right, you had a very successful show. Do you continue to tour in the United States? Mm-hmm. How does that affect your touring in Japan? What happens next? And I know Kenny Omega is slated to defend that U.S. title on Ring of Honor shows. That's the best thing possible, right? You're highlighting the New Japan product while in the United States. Yeah. I just wonder what comes next with New Japan in America. Because realistically, what do you do? You've got Ring of Honor here. And they're sort of a business partner of New Japan. But they're also a competitor. There's Global Force Wrestling, Impact Wrestling with Jeff Jarrett. And there's WWE. There's really no space here. But you could argue, just in terms of pure wrestling content, New Japan's arguably the best wrestling in the world. So there's a place for them, right? Mm-hmm. So do they put live content on Friday nights? Who broadcasts the show on Axis on TV Friday nights if Jim Ross... Do- I can't imagine Vince McMahon ever lets Jim Ross broadcast another New Japan show. Like, it boggled my mind that he broadcasted last Friday. Yeah, I just don't see him. I think they're going to get him out of that contract early. And I think he'll be full-time with WWE Projects. He won't be on I was going to say, what's week. he going to do in the WWE, Jim Ross? His, he actually made up. he wanted to broadcast the Brock Lesnar-Samoa Joe match at Great Balls of Fire. That won't happen, but he's, he's calling the women's tournament, the Mae Young Classic, and that'll air at the end of the summer in August. They'll tape that in July, and that's a great idea to have JR do that. They also want to have him do the, if they ever do the United Kingdom show, he could he could be a potential broadcast for uh you know lead lead broadcaster for that. But the idea is whatever whatever project you use Jr. with, he adds instant credibility. Right? He's he's the most to me recognizable pro wrestling announcer in the world. And now they've got him back and they take him away from New Japan. I don't think we'll ever see him on another New Japan show. All right, so away from New Japan, back to WWE. Um, they're setting up. They have a couple pay per views here. They're setting up for SummerSlam ultimately. What's What's the top story there? Like, what you mentioned Reigns. We talked about Cena's return. Is there any dirt, like, that I need to know about? Because you always seem to have the inside scoop on what's going on behind the scenes. Like, if I hadn't been paying attention to WWE, what, what's, the, what's the big thing I should be looking out for between now and SummerSlam? What is the big thing that they're setting up for? Great question. A couple, I'll go three different ways with this. What happens with Roman Reigns and Ron Strowman? That begins on Sunday in their ambulance match. Ambulance match is a very easy way to get – nobody gets pinned, right? So it's not like it's a bad loss if, if yeah. Reigns loses. I don't think Reigns loses, but it's not a bad loss if Strowman loses per se. Mm-hmm. So to me, SummerSlam, the story is Cena. Like I would hope that Jinder Mahal keeps the title. I don't know. What, what's the most – you know, because they love that Punjabi celebration. They did it on SmackDown really well. Maybe he comes in on elephants at WrestleMania. Like, they love that traditional, like, he's got elephants on his T-shirts. I hope that Jinder Mahal does not just drop the belt to John Cena at SummerSlam. To me, that's crushing. I'd have him beat Cena at SummerSlam. Cena can, Cena's Teflon, right? Cena could lose to whomever, and he's still John Cena. You got to build Jinder Mahal. I think another thing is, too, I think Roman Reigns, the coronation of Reigns, they try to resume it again at SummerSlam. I think Reigns beats Brock Lesnar for the title at SummerSlam. That's their main event. I thought that they worked the WrestleMania match with Taker so well in Reigns that next night, Reigns got 10 minutes of like pure booing. In WWEs, they're always trying to manufacture organic moments. That was an organic moment. And then the next week, they made Reigns an underdog superhero again, which is so contradictory. But I think they continue that Roman Reigns story arc at SummerSlam. He wins the belt. 
And I think it's you know worthwhile watching what happens with AJ Styles because I know Kenny Omega is watching. What happens with the Hardys? You know, will they ever get those broken characters? If they get the broken character, which it doesn't appear they're going to anytime mm. soon in WWE, that's a major story. They're so talented, the Hardys. They could go extremely far with the WWE machine behind them. I think those are two big stories. Plus, maybe they call an audible, Danny. Maybe they give Braun Strowman the belt. That's the way I'd go. To me, Braun Strowman's everything that's right about pro wrestling. He's a giant. He's exciting. He, he tosses. And now it's obviously the guys who work with him help him too, right? When you're getting tossed around, it's the guy working with you, making you look good. But he's that old school kind of kick-ass wrestler. I think that he would be a great world champion. But I just don't see Samoa Joe winning on Sunday because... They want Brock Lesnar to headline SummerSlam. Have we seen John Cena's last run as as a repetitive champ, like defending, reigning, you know, retains the belt? Like, have we seen John Cena's last run? Probably. I thought it was interesting, too. Our last interview we did together, we did one where I've never had a good rapport with Cena. It's always over the phone. We've done some stuff in person, too. But Cena's very... He's, he's very careful what he says, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's not an interviewer's dream, per se. But the last time we did a phone interview, it was, uh, I don't know, it was like 11 o'clock in Boston. It was his last uh, for The Wall. He just finished, wrapped up his interviews in, in okay. L.A. So it was 8 o'clock his time. And he was good. He was. I, I think that he understands, not that he didn't before, but he's comfortable about who he is in pro wrestling. He can come and go. He's well-respected. He doesn't need to be champion. I think he still has another title reign or two in him. He's got to beat Ric Flair's streak at some point of 16, or a uh, record of 16. Yeah. He'll turn. I don't think no? we see it. I Never don't know happens if he ever stops <laughs> selling T-shirts. Until then, that's the that's the thing about the Hogan heel turner that I think people forget to talk about. When Hogan made that you know change from protagonist to antagonist, his sales were down, and I think that's when he realized the writing was on the wall that if he wanted to be relevant, he needed to take that chance. Cena's sales are still outrageously high, so I think it's when. When he start, when T-shirts dip or when merchandise dips, that's when you'd see Cena make the change. He definitely has a whole, you know, whole new life as a, as a villain if he decided to go that route. And their new video game has Seth Rollins on the cover. You got to expect, you know, they're gonna be doing something special with him. Yeah, they, in the near future, right? I mean, a, what, a, he got hurt again, and then it just seemed like he was someone that was almost forgotten about. Like I just feel like the way they, like when he. Won the championship. And at 31, right? Yeah. 31, yeah. Like, was, that was something to me. I'm looking at that as a casual fan going, all right, this is a guy. I like this guy. He's good on the mic. He's got a good personality. He's good in the ring. This is the guy. And then he got hurt again. And they, When they brought him back, they brought him back as a, as, a, as a heel, a villain, and the crowd didn't want that. Then they, a little bit too late, turned him into a babyface, but didn't really give enough reason behind it. So they tried so hard. They love Seth Rollins, and he's very talented. They tried so hard at WrestleMania to have Triple H give him that rub, and he beat Triple H. It just hasn't worked. As a, that guy, it's, to me, Cody Rhodes will forever be a babyface, right? He's a good guy. Cody Rhodes is, he's, a, he's got a, he's, he's a good-looking kid. He's talented in the ring. Guys who can sell, right? Seth Rollins is that chicken shit heel. That's his character, he, and he perfected it. So to me, it's like two guys on opposite ends. Cody Rhodes, when he comes back to WWE, will be a knight in shining armor. He has to be. That's, that's, you've got to be yourself. You want to turn the volume up, of course, right? But Cody Rhodes is the perfect good guy. Seth Rollins, on the other end, he's the perfect bad guy. I hope he turns on Reigns. I hope he does something. That Shield storyline, the fact that... Still out there. The, they've never... They've never given yeah, us any resolution, right. but why would they get along with Rollins? Rollins turned on him. That, to me, storytelling is so important in pro wrestling. 
I like Rollins a lot. I know they like him. I'll mention one more guy, too. Another big story would be, what do they do with Kurt Angle? He's not comfortable in that role as GM. He belongs in the ring if he can go. If he can go, have him go. If he can't, then what are we doing? Kurt Angle would main event SummerSlam and to the crowd's delight in Brooklyn. 100%. Oh, I also did hear, I know we talked about tying in a few conversations back from our discussion before Mania. The Patriots did make a play for WrestleMania. I was going to ask you about that. They were turned down because I believe... The Patriots were turned down by the WWE. Right. And I'm sure what they weren't alone in getting turned down. So they wanted WrestleMania at Gillette Stadium. Correct. What one? Do we know? Or just a future WrestleMania? I think you bid on the next one. You bid on the next one. Yes, yeah, so that would And be, they were turned down why? I assume... If you just, just transportation wise, it's a, it's a nightmare, right? Like it's one road. I I would think that it's not that they couldn't fit the people. Plus, I think that when you deal with they did it in New York or Jersey a couple of years ago. I went to that one. I think that and it snowed. No, did, did, the day before it didn't there snow. Was, no, there was Rain? a little. I because we were in New York City the day before. It was actually a nice day the day before. There was a light rain coming down at the beginning of the show. Okay, but it wasn't. That cold, I I think we lucked out. They yeah. lucked out with the weather. I think they know that. But maybe too. there's that fear that there still could be a snowstorm around that time in the Northeast outside. Plus, I think the big thing with, like, I always think of pro wrestling as the mafia, the mob, and you've got like you know families you trust, so to speak. I think the WWE is so loyal to their loyal to, to to people who've been loyal to them that they wouldn't do it to the Garden, uh, the TD Garden. I don't think, and I think personally, that's why we haven't seen them at Fenway, is because they do business solely in Boston with the TD Garden. And has Fenway attempted? I know Fenway's attempted. They wanted SummerSlam. The Red Sox wanted SummerSlam. You know who told them to go get that? Me. I I believe it's. I told Sam Kennedy, Red Sox president, on my show in my studio, to go get SummerSlam at Fenway, and they tried to get it. They tried to get it. I think they're best off. Actually, when I when I interviewed Triple H. In February or March, I, I mentioned that to him directly, and he said it would work a lot better for an NXT show. And I think it would. I think with NXT shows, you could do anything. You, mm. could, bring, you could bring main stars in. You could, you could make it a super show, right? You could do – there's no restrictions. And I think that's the key thing. But to me, I think they are – and I, I respect this about WWE. I think they are so loyal to the, to the people who they've done business with for a long time. And in this case, it's the TD Garden, which is interesting to me that they're so tight with the Barclays. There must have been a falling out with Madison Square Garden. Maybe just the garden's too expensive in New York City, and they still do house shows there, but uh, they, they, I don't think, would ever cross the TD Garden, which I respect. All right. Well, we got to wrap it up because they're about to start training here at Bell Time Club Training Center in Wakefield, and Pat Dillon handed me the sheet right before we went on, and at the top of the sheet it says, so you want to be a pro wrestler? Come to Bell Time Club Training Center. Go to facebook.com, Bell Time VCW. Give them a call, 781-606-2107. And uh, if you want to be a pro wrestler, come down to the Bell Time Club Training Center. They're about to get in the ring. We're in the ring right now. You can hear it. Danny, um, any chance we can do something live at the show in August? Something on August 23rd at the Big Bang, Wednesday, August 23rd. Maybe and we could. Pat mentioned the guys on that card earlier, too. Chris Dixon, uh, who else was on that? Teddy Goods. It's really all the big names. Brian Malonis. It's all the big guys. You know, you see them at Evolve shows and mm-hmm. uh, a lot of different shows on the on the Northeast Circuit. So it's, it's actually some really, really good wrestling. And 
Who, who, give me the pet. Yell out the biggest name that started right here in this UFO ring. What do we got? Give me. Uh, so Chomp has been through UFO wrestling. Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks. That's one I knew. Sasha Banks began right here. You might know Champa. Champa's from Everett, so you might be familiar. Who he, is this? Tommaso Champa had a really good heel turn recently on his tag team partner, Johnny Gargano, and uh, was done a thousand times better than the big cast Enzo turn. I thought their storytelling was, and their physicality was just perfect, where the Enzo and Cass one, I ripped it apart. But I thought that the, the Champa, maybe I'm just biased because he's an Everett kid, but I thought theirs was, was so well done. He's extremely talented. What do you mean you ripped it apart? Well, they... For for st- the storytelling was just so backwards on that story. What just those two? It was breaking up, right? The way they did it, they explained the breakup before they had the breakup. The best part about them was way. their entrance together. And to me, right? it, it also that was the best part about those two guys. It also frustrates me. Like they should be heels together. Enzo's the best talker in wrestling. Big Cass needs a voice. Like keep them together. You want to do it as he- villains? Do it as villains? Do it as heels? But uh, I, I I had so many issues with the way they the way they did that. Well, all these guys that we've been talking about, they all had to start somewhere. And um, this would be a great place for you to come out and get it started. Bell Time Club Training Center in Wakefield, Massachusetts. Last question for you, Justin, before we let them get in the ring. Uh, sort of bringing it back to the beginning. We started talking about New Japan and Cody Rhodes, and we look at all the, the big events that are coming up next. When do you expect him absolutely to be back in the WWE after all this? After him leaving, going down, sort of becoming a start, at that level, you 100% agree he's going to be back. At some point, but it's going to take time because he is Ring of Honor world champion. There is some prestige with that title. That title's got a ton of lineage, Ring of Honor. I mean, CM Punk was world champ there. Uh, Austin Aries, uh, Daniel Bryan, or Bryan Anderson. That, that title's got a lot of history. So I don't think it'll happen anytime soon. I will say at the 2018 Royal Rumble, I'd be shocked if we didn't see Kenny Omega. That's next January. All right. Good stuff. Justin Barrasso, read him at SI.com. He's with Sports Illustrated. Thanks for joining me. We'll do it again soon, all right? Thank you for having me. All right, special thanks to Pat Dillon, UFO Wrestling, everybody down here at Bell Time Club, Train and Center. Get this show whenever you want at dannypicard.com. Also on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, anywhere. Podcasts are available. Also now on the Podcast One Network. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook, all forms of social media. And don't forget, you can play on DraftKings right now for free with my promo code PICK. That's P-I-C. In the words of Kenny Omega, might as well throw it out. Goodbye and good night.